0: You're listening to the PFWC Podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given, and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC Podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful, and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi everyone and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I'm sitting down with my good friend Julia who actually Julia was one of the first people who I started following when I was starting my recovery and I was kind of going into the social media space. Julia was one of those people that I feel like had developed her platform already and was talking about body image and it was exactly what I needed at just the right time. And I'm so excited to have Julia here to share her experience with her body, her eating disorder. We're both from the Midwest. We both did elementary education. We have very similar backgrounds. So I'm very excited to get into that today. Welcome, Julia. Hi, I'm happy to be
1: here. And I know I think we started following each other like a long time ago when you were like back in Hawaii. I like Remember that. So I'm glad we're connecting on this. This is awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah, I definitely, yeah, it was it was in Hawaii that I found you. And that was when my recovery started. And I was looking for people who like were talking about the things that I needed to surround myself with at that time. And you were just one of those people. And so it's like kind of coming full circle, which is really exciting Yay. for me. Um, so to kick it off, do you mind just telling the listeners a little bit about? who is Julia?
1: Yeah, so like you said, I grew up in the Midwest, um, kind of had that typical Michigan upbringing, um, went to school to be an elementary school teacher, was not it, did not, um, I don't know, I thought it was going to be something different than what it was, and kind of moved out to LA just on a whim. And it was this very much like, I'm going to find myself type of experience and realized when I was out in LA that I had an eating disorder and just kind of embarked on this like whole journey, went through recovery, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but, um, Yeah. I have found myself here in Denver. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach. I have some other things that I'm working on. Um, yeah, but my recovery started back when I was like 24. So it's been now I'm 32. So it's been a long journey. Um, yeah, it's kind of a short little, little thing about me.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I totally relate, like I said, to the teaching thing. I feel like it was the same thing for me where I growing up, I was told by so many people, like my parents and people around me, like you would make such a great teacher. You're really good with kids. You have this really bubbly personality. Mm -hmm. And I never like thought twice about it. It was just like, this is what people are telling me. This is what I should be doing. And so went into college and was like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I meant to do. And then I feel like for me, when I started my recovery, that's when I Realized that I was doing something that I wasn't Mm. passionate about. And I think that came like the self worth side of things. And I was like, I'm not doing this for me. Like, this isn't Mm -hmm. that I would choose for myself. I chose this for other people. And so that's kind of where I saw my shift out of education. Yeah. But it's so exciting because we're both like still pretty much in education, but not in.
1: Right. Just in a different way. And yeah, for me, like growing up, I knew I always wanted to be a teacher and I never really like had a second thought about it. I just went to school and then I was like, oh fuck, there were so many like other professions that I could have gone into. Um, and honestly just, and I have give so many props to people in education. It was just so bad for my mental health. It wasn't even the kids. It was just like the politics of it, the like lack of funding, the lack of money behind it, not that we went into it for money, but hey, you got to support yourself. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, how can I like do teaching in a different way about something that I'm actually passionate about, not test grades and science and history, which like that is just not <laughs> what excites me. Um so yeah, found my way kind of in the similar space that you're in.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's exciting because you recently launched or announced your workshop for, remind me what the age range yeah.
1: is. Yeah. Yeah. It's for the, it's called the Confident Kid Collective. Um, and I, for a while was doing eating disorder recovery coaching. And I was really, really loving that. And then I kind of realized, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling as passionate about it. Like I really loved working on kind of like the back end at first. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm kind of like, oh, I want to be more on like the preventative end. And I really do love working with kids. I was a nanny for a long time. I obviously, you know, wanted to be working with kids because I went into elementary education. I was like, how can I like make both of these worlds go together And I just saw so much of a gap within kind of talking about body image and joyful movement and intuitive eating and like coping skills and all of these things like self-esteem that need to be talked about in the education system, but teachers really aren't given the time, nor do they have the energy to talk about those things. So I created um a curriculum called the Confident Kid Collective. And I've been doing some like after school clubs and stuff, which is really cool. Um so yeah, that's kind of I now I'm like, oh, I've kind of brought in both of these worlds together, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. And I love that because my actual like my, my thesis for grad school is an eating sort of curriculum
1: <laughs> cool.
0: publishing in May that I've been working on for like the last year. And yeah. I feel like we're just so similar. Like we both have very, awesome. very similar passions and I I couldn't agree more to the point that you made in terms of the preventative side of things. I think for me, when I was in education, I saw eating disorders mm-hmm. or even just disordered eating behaviors in kids as young as like fourth grade.
1: Oh I know. So and
0: sad. It was terrifying and I was like, okay, there has to be more that I can do. Like there has to be more here that can be yeah. talked about and so totally 100% relate to that and I think it's so exciting that more people are creating these. Yeah, problems. more the better. Yeah, like you're in Colorado and we're, you know, I'm in California and like we need to get this stuff in <laughs> Absolutely. Day. So Yeah, there's not
1: much out there. Like, so I mean, I'm glad that more people are doing it. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. I found very limited, very little amount of curriculum through my research. I was like, huh, okay, well, this explains a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean,
1: I think too, like, as I'm talking to like more schools and teachers, it's like just the availability and the funding and like trying to jump through all these hoops to get like things approved. Like, it's just so much but I mean, I worked in Detroit public schools and to be honest, not much teaching went on because I had to do so much like emotional regulation with my students. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we need to focus on the mental health of the kids so they can actually get an education. And so that's where I'm super passionate about doing this. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited you're doing it too.
0: Yeah. And supporting teachers and and like not making yeah. it the teachers like core responsibility to, Teach that, but like somehow, like is there something we can remove from the current curriculum right. that's not necessary um, that we can replace this with? Absolutely. Um, I think for me, mine would be implemented into mandatory health class, and I'm like, there's so mm-hmm. much being taught in health class that can be taken out. Oh my gosh, I yeah. feel
1: like I learned so much bullshit in health yeah. class,
0: I'm like, let's and I'm like,
1: we out- can revamp this.
0: I know. I'm like, let's take out BMI let's yeah. take out, you know, the food pyramid, like all this that is just not necessary. So it's so dated, so dated. 100%. Um, okay. Anyways. I, yeah. So I love that. I, that makes me very excited and I'm very, very excited to hear how yours goes and all of that. So I really, really want to hear a little bit about, and you don't have to go into too much detail, but your journey, your relationship with your body growing up, um, and kind of how you feel like you got into that place of having an eating disorder. Um, and then kind of that turning moment for you where you were like, okay, I need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that. Yeah.
1: Um, growing up, I grew up in like a very loving household, but, um, I never, Like after talking with a lot of clients, like I heard so many experiences of like really toxic parents, like pushing all of these ideas onto like, you know, their kids of how they should look and what they should eat. And that definitely wasn't my experience. However, um, eating disorders were so prevalent in my family that I kind of like learned how to not love my body based on like what I was seeing, um, from my mom, from like some of my aunts, um. And it was probably around the age of like 12 or 13 that I started to like notice my body a little bit more. Um, I, I I never like really paid attention to like what I was eating. And I ended up like switching schools and it was predominantly a like a white school. And before I was going to predominantly, like it was like 60, 65% black. And so it was just like a very different shift of Kind of what I was seeing, what I was hearing. Um, and I just started to like notice that my body didn't look like the other girls in my class or my friends. Everyone was really tiny and petite. And my sister is 5'11", blonde hair, blue eyes. We could not be more different. And I was thinking in my head, oh, when I go through puberty, that's what I'm going to look like and could be farther from the truth. And, you know, around that age, you start to, you know, pay attention to the opposite sex or you know that's that's what I was into and so i'm like oh i want boys to like me and you know i want to look cool and cute and kind of that early 2000s was just such like a toxic toxic time for body image and yeah i started to get bullied for my weight and started to realize like okay for me to be like happy and successful and all of these like for me to be loved and all of these things i was like okay my body has to look a certain way cuz that's what i saw And so I started to like restrict food. I started to pay more attention to like how much I was exercising and weight started to come off. And then I started to get more attention. So I was like, okay, so this is, this is how I get love. This is how I get attention. This is how I'm successful. This is how you become popular. Mm -hmm. And it honestly kind of progressed into this like 10 plus eating years of eating disorder. And it kind of like merged from like, binge eating, to bulimia, to orthorexia, and kind of just like shift and moved kind of as, as I grew. Um, and it wasn't until I was 24, I just quit my teaching job and I moved out to LA. And at that time, I, I truly didn't think I had an eating disorder because I wasn't like actively making myself like purge or anything like that. I just had a very I don't know, in my head, I was like, Oh, this is what everybody does. Everybody diets. This is like wellness culture. And so I, when I was out in LA, there was a big transition and I was really stressed and I was really struggling with my body image and like my body was kind of changing. And so I sought out a therapist to kind of talk about body image. And she was an eating disorder therapist. And, you know, I told her, yeah, I'm not really active in my eating disorder and kind of talked about like what my relationship with food and my body looked like. And she was like, you definitely still have an eating disorder. And I was like, Oh fuck. Okay. Um, I was like, Whoa, didn't realize that. And it kind of just opened my mind up to this like whole world of like what an eating disorder actually is. And in my head, I thought it was like you're bulimic or anorexic and you look malnourished. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I went through recovery. I started working with a registered dietitian and just kind of um, had my own little support team and went through that and just really realized and, and I've always been interested in mental health, but I really realized how much I really loved that space. Um, and I started like following more accounts, going to more events, um, kind of surrounding myself with that kind of recovery space and like people that were in recovery or people that were like into body acceptance and that type of stuff. Um, and yeah, I just kind of found a lot of passion behind that. And my platform started to grow and it wasn't out of intention of like being an influencer or anything like that. It was just purely sharing my story, my experience. And people are like, oh my God, same thing. And I just realized like, holy crap, there's like a whole community of people that feel the same way. And yeah. And then I kind of found myself in that recovery coaching space because I was like, I really want to do that. I want to figure out how I can kind of turn my pain which is now a passion into like helping other people. So that's kind of my long roundabout way of my little story.
0: I love it. And I really, I want to talk about the concept that you mentioned in terms of like not thinking you had an eating disorder, which I think is why the education around eating disorders is so important because there is that outdated image that most Mm -hmm. people have in their heads of like what an eating disorder looks like, which is like a frail white woman who, you know, is like upper class, like that is usually the typical image that people have in their head when they think of eating disorders. And so if someone doesn't meet that criteria, they're thinking, okay, maybe it's not an eating disorder. Maybe it's just a diet. And I -hmm. think that's where it becomes so toxic. And that's where we have so many people who aren't reaching out for support or aren't saying like. I think I'm struggling with something. Mm -hmm. Um, And we live in a world of Gwyneth Paltrow's who are. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah.
0: That, you know, this is now wellness, quote unquote wellness. And this is now this and all of that. So that makes it even more like difficult for people to actually understand like if what they're doing or if their relationship with food and their body and exercise is, healthy, or if it's just this new wave of quote-unquote wellness. That
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I really noticed,
0: I, I actually,
1: they're kind of going back to, like, the teaching. I was a second grade teacher at the time, and, like, we were talking about, like, some goals we wanted for the year, and I had one of my second grade students say that, like, she wanted abs, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Oh. And I was just like, oh my gosh, and I was like, I... I was like, this makes me so sad. And it like started, like, I started to become more aware of like my own upbringing, my own experiences at that age. And then like moving out to LA where like, it is like the Mecca of body image issues and eating disorders. I was kind of like, oh, if I'm going to live here, kind of got to get this shit under control. And I started, as I started talking to more people, like kind of in the recovery space, realizing that like diet culture is very disordered. Mm -hmm. And, you know, growing up in the Midwest, everyone was doing Atkins diet and Weight Watchers and Special K and all these things. And I truly thought that what I was doing was healthy. Mm -hmm. And I, I really thought that I was living this like healthy, well lifestyle. And I really didn't have this idea that it was disordered. And for the longest time, I just didn't ever think I was sick enough. I like didn't, no one was ever worried about me um, Mm -hmm. because I never looked sick. And then, yeah, it all kind of so much. It just kind of hit me at once. I was like, oh my God, I've been struggling for the last like 10 plus years. And I had no idea. And I'm like, this makes so much sense, Why I'm so anxious all the time and why my body image sucks. And yeah, so it was a very like eye opening experience for sure.
0: So for anyone listening who might not know the difference between disordered eating and eating disorders do you mind just like kind of touching on that a little or at least sharing what you think the the main difference is between those two
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think when we think of like the typical eating disorder, it's like uh, having those certain types of criteria that like someone's diagnosed you with. Um, And a lot of the time people don't meet those criteria. And I think that's kind of where we need to have a little bit more education as to like, what an eating disorder actually is, and it's not meeting a certain weight or like binging a certain amount of calories. Um, I would say disordered eating is just kind of overall having a really unhealthy relationship with food, maybe having a lot of fear around food, having a lot of structure around food, just overall feeling like maybe a loss of control or maybe too much control. Um, overall, just feeling like you don't have this like balanced kind of relationship with food. Um, but I would say that honestly, both are still very serious. Not one over the other. I mean, I would say some, you know, obviously require like hospitalization or treatment and that type of stuff. But like, either way, if you're like, I definitely don't have an eating disorder, but it's disordered eating, like you still, you still are um, needing that help and support. Like it doesn't mean you're not sick enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of times too, like disordered eating that isn't that isn't, um, acknowledged can oftentimes turn into what could be a more like severe eating disorder.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: But hundred percent agree to you. I feel like when, when I get that question, it's in my head, I'm like, I don't see a huge difference. (laughs) Like they're really
1: right. They're still both unhealthy.
0: They're still both terror, like very, very unhealthy relationships with food and exercising your body. Um, but I think kind of going off what you said in terms of like the diagnose, diagnosis side of things too, it's like from being in school the last two years, I've learned so much about the DSM-5 and how mm-hmm. so just like outdated it still is. And I'm like, yeah, the fifth version of this, Like <laughs> <Yes. laughs> this is like, yes. why are, why is it taking so long for this to become like more accurate because yeah typical anorexia is still listed within the dsm-5 which is like mm-hmm. not your quote-unquote typical anorexia your anorexia but you don't mean yeah it's a, you're department. like a subtype
1: and yes. yeah and i like-
0: am i'm so
1: happy that things like orthorexia are talked about more now like you know this like obsessive clean eating and over exercising i'm like i'm so glad that this has like been categorized but, but it's
0: yeah, not they're in the DSM. No, no. Yeah. yeah. So Which like, I'm like,
1: it's still very much an eating disorder. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Because people will ask me like, like clients who are like, okay, I don't binge. I don't purge. I don't restrict myself, but I have this like really obsessive relationship with exercise or have a really obsessive relationship with checking, like, food labels, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, that would be considered, like, orthorexia, and they're like, Mm -hmm. I have never heard of that, like, they have no idea what that term means, Yeah, it's crazy, because I would say majority of people, like, orthorexia could be, like, that, the most similar eating disorder that is like closest to disordered eating.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, like living here in Denver and out in LA, like there's this like massive wellness culture of like no processed foods and no this, no that, like, you know, only organic. And I'm like, if you're afraid to like eat something from a package and Mm -hmm. like, there's so much fear around that. I'm like, that is not, that's quite disordered. Like it's not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think having those conversations and educating on, you know, different types of eating disorders and disordered eating is like so, so important because it honestly was so eye-opening for me. I was like, holy crap. Yeah.
0: And I think having like finding a therapist who understands yes. like the like parts of the DSM that are you know, very outdated, very inaccurate, like the fact that BMI is still mentioned for anorexia. And right. like you you're going to you're gonna need a therapist who's gonna understand that. It's <laughs> gonna yes. be like, I see all these things and I'm not going to invalidate your eating disorder or your mm-hmm. struggles because you don't meet this exact yeah. criteria of like a BMI lower than 17 or whatever right. the criteria is. Right. So I feel like there's all this macro work.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah.
0: So for much sure. work that that needs to be done, but the small steps I feel like that we're doing and you know that is happening online, which is really exciting. There's so much talk online about all of this, so I think that's very reassuring. Yeah, in a lot of ways. So um okay, so you moved to LA? You started seeking support for your eating disorder, and then now you're in Denver. Mm-hmm. So, when did that move happen? And mm-hmm. is there like a specific reason as to why you went from LA to Denver?
1: Yeah, I so LA was very much a just like let me get the hell out of Michigan and try mm-hmm. like a new experience. And I was nannying out there for the time, and I think I was like 27 when I made the decision. I Um, my sister lived out there with me, and she was moving back home. And I loved it. It was great. But it was also like, whoo! I don't know if I want to like, spend a significant amount amount of time like putting roots here in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, It just didn't feel I, I feel like at the time I was like, pretty far into my recovery. And I was feeling good. And I was like, I feel like I need to be around like, different types of people. I found myself interacting with just like a lot of toxic kind of viewpoints and stuff like that. And honestly just decided to move to Denver on a whim. Um, there's a lot of like Midwest people out here, which I really like. Um, I really like the outdoors. Uh, the only thing I miss is just like being around water. That's the only thing, but I just vacation. Um, And yeah, honestly, when I moved to Denver, I knew like maybe one person wasn't really close with this person. And that was kind of like a big part of my recovery was kind of figuring out like what now that I'm like in pretty far into my recovery and I would say recovered at this time, like what do I want to do with that? Like, where do I want this to go? And still did a little bit of nannying out here and then connected with recovery, love and care. Um, we met via Instagram. She became one of my best friends and she kind of saw this gap in like treatment and therapy and was like, this coaching space is really, really helpful. Created her own curriculum. Um, and I believe I was like her first coach, um, that she trained, um, underneath her and just kind of started doing my own recovery coaching business, which ended up being super successful and just opened up a lot of doors, which was really awesome. And so Denver has definitely been this space of like, LA is this like recovery kind of part of my life. Michigan was my like eating disorder part of my life and my upbringing. And Denver's been this kind of like recovered, um, kind of figuring out like what the hell I want to do with my life and really like solidifying that. So yeah, it was definitely a, a, pretty, uh, I don't know. It was a big move and it was like, ended up being a really good move at the time.
0: Yeah. I love that. And that's really exciting that you can kind of like see the differences and like where you are in life and all those locations. I think that's always such a, a fun thing to reflect. Mm-hmm. on. Um, okay. So anyone who is listening, who's like, what the hell is an eating disorder recovery coach? Um, do you mind sharing a little bit of what you yeah. do? Um, I think it's a really interesting and really important role. So I would love for you. To yeah. Share
1: So a recovery coach is something, they're not a clinician. Um, And I think this kind of coaching space has been tainted a lot by like a lot of scammy coaches on Instagram. So it's definitely not that. Obviously, it depends on kind of where um, the person is coming from or where they're getting like their credentials or certifications. Mm -hmm. Um, But eating disorder recovery coach is kind of that um, support person. We work with registered dietitians, therapists, doctors as a support team for our clients. To kind of fill in those gaps that, like, the therapists, registered dietitians, and doctors can't really do. So, say a client's gone to treatment and they get out and they have a great support team, but they're like, I have a really hard time kind of following through with the things that I've talked about in therapy, having a hard time coming up with meals or going through clothes or going grocery shopping, like, all of these types of things that you're needing a little bit extra of support um, and accountability for. That's where recovery coach steps in. So, I did a lot of work on you know, meal support, having meals with my clients and kind of talking through like the fears and anxieties that come up. Um, At the same time, doing a lot of work on just like body image and kind of learning how to navigate like your body changes throughout you know, recovery. Um, I did a lot on joyful movement, because that's something that I was really passionate about. And that was really helpful in my recovery was shifting from like exercise to joyful movement. Um, But we definitely don't uh, dive into things about trauma, we're trauma informed. Mm -hmm. um, But we leave kind of that and the mental illness kind of space and navigating that for the therapist and clinician. So um, we kind of do a lot of like here and now accountability um, support for our clients.
0: I love that. So most of the clients that you're seeing, do they have a therapist or yeah. So maybe you don't, and maybe you're referring them to
1: someone. Yeah. So I've definitely had some clients that come to me that are like, I haven't had great experiences with therapists or I don't have a therapist. And so most of the time, um, my clients that come to me that struggle with anxiety, depression, and eating disorder, um, usually it's a requirement to see a therapist, but I'll work with my clients and help them find someone that's maybe, you know, they have within their network or someone that's, you know, willing to do sliding scale Not to say that I wouldn't take a client that wasn't in therapy at that moment, but 99% of the time my clients end up getting into therapy um, just for that added support because I can't touch on certain things because it's out of my like scope of care. So um, usually ends up being like a great add on for them anyways, they just kind of need a little bit of a nudge to kind of get back into it. Um, I will say for some of my clients that maybe it's just like solely some body image work, maybe they've worked through a lot of their life like relationship with food, trauma, like that type of stuff. And maybe they're just like looking to find like a little bit more confidence in themselves. Um, that's like a little less heavy. So, um, we work with them kind of in like a lighter capacity.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. I honestly was, I just learned so much because I I've heard this term and I knew that's what you did, but I, I, I didn't know that that was the capacity that it was at. And I love that. And I think that's such an amazing and important role because as someone who is going to school to be a therapist, I know that fear of like, you know, having a client and you're like, okay, I can see them maybe twice a week for 45 minutes, but I know that's not enough. And so mm-hmm. having someone like you, that's like a recovery coach that they can also work with outside of therapy to work on some of those other things that maybe we don't have time to get at during session. Yeah. I think is so important. So, right. There's just like not enough time in
1: 45 minute to hour sessions, even if, you know, even if therapists I've had a lot of time, I've worked with therapists that aren't educated on eating disorders and they're just touching on the anxiety and depression. And so they're like, Hey, I don't really know how to have these conversations around body image. Like, but my client is struggling with this. So yeah, it's a great added support. And I will say that like, uh, some coaches, um, you know, definitely do work out of their scope of care. So being really mindful of like, oh, if coaching, you know, sounds like something that I'd really like to look into, um, making sure you're working with like an ethical coach, like I said, there's definitely kind of some sketchy coaches out there on Instagram where you're like, ooh, I don't I don't know if that is super credible. but um, <laughs> yeah, and especially just because it's like a vulnerable community of people. Um, but yeah, the recovery coaching space is not meant to replace therapy or step on therapist toes or anything like that. We're actually just there to add more support to you.
0: Yeah. Which is so important because there literally can never be enough. Right. <laughs> I, right. I, like when I'm working with clients, I'm like, okay, I need someone here. I need someone here. I need someone here. Yep. I would continually add people to my team. Absolutely. It's yeah. It's yeah. So and I think it only benefits the the clients. Absolutely. 100%. So I love that. I think that, yeah, it's so important And anyone who's listening. If you're looking for an additional, like if you're in therapy and you're also looking for additional support, I would highly recommend checking out Julia, the work she's doing, checking out recovery, loving care. I love everything that is going on there too. And I could recommend it over and over and over again. Cause I'm like, get this. Support. Yeah. It's a wonderful space surround yourself with people who you trust, who are, who have your best interest in mind. Um, because like you said, Julia, there can be some sketchy people out there who yeah. <laughs> are, want to take advantage of you, just want your money. Um, all of that. So one last thing that I really want to touch on is, so it is eating disorder awareness week. Um, Mm -hmm. and so will be going live on Friday. So right at the end of the week, which is super exciting. Um, I would love to hear, like, if you could share like one or two tips for anyone who is experiencing eating disorder or experiencing disordered eating, who is feeling a little bit of fear around Mm -hmm. starting recovery or just getting support or even just openly, telling someone that they're struggling um what advice would you give those people
1: yeah i mean i think with my like i can speak from my experience is that like for the longest time i truly thought that this is just kind of like something that, that i would always struggle with i was like oh i'm just going to have you know really bad body image issues mm-hmm. i'm going to have an unhealthy relationship with food and i'm going to always feel so much guilt when i work out and all these things and just know that that's not how it has to be and having an eating disorder and disordered eating is hard recovery is hard like you get to choose your hard
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but on the outside of your eating disorder and going through recovery is so much joy and so much growth and so much freedom that um at, you know picking your hard is kind of the hardest part and just acknowledging like Oh man, maybe I need some support. Maybe I need to kind of embark on this journey, and it's going to be lots of ups and downs. There's definitely periods in my own recovery where I was like, "Oh my gosh, like how much longer do I have to do this?" And this yeah. feels like pretty, pretty awful and really uncomfortable. But no, there is an end in sight, and it's just going to be a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. Um, But there is freedom. There is 100% freedom. There is joy in in the body that you have now, and yeah, it's worth just seeking out that help. Even if it feels really scary and difficult, there's people that want to support you and there are different modalities to get support. And so know that it is available and it's out there. You just have to do a little bit of searching.
0: Yeah. And I think like adding to that, is like the patience aspect of it. Just being like patient with yourself and so much grace standing. Yeah. Giving yourself grace and understanding that recovery is different for every single person. It is not linear at all. Like kind
1: of all over the place
0: (laughs) all over the place it's literally like so much zigzags ups down left to right it's like definitely not a straight line I think reminding yourself of that is really important too because I feel like from my experience I found myself getting like having thoughts of, oh, I can't do this, or I'm not doing this correctly because this person did it in this amount of time and this mm-hmm. he did to recover and it worked for them. Why is it not working for me? And so I think being able to step out of that line of thinking and into that place of grace and that pace of
1: place. Absolutely.
0: Of- and saying that your recovery is your recovery. It will take you however long it takes you, you know, just trying to take it day by day. For some people, it's literally hour by hour or like mm-hmm. minute by minute. Second
1: by second. Yeah.
0: Second. Like if that's what it takes, just allowing yourself that space and finding those people who are going to support you, who are going to kind of implement that messaging that you really want to be Absolutely. taking. In. Um, yeah. support
1: is critical.
0: 100%. And even if it's just sending a message to someone on Instagram and saying like, asking them like, Hey, what's your favorite, you know, like coping skill for this or like, mm-hmm. you know, being respectful of boundaries, but also utilizing you know, like community and space absolutely are putting out education, I think is, is so important. Yeah.
1: Just starting and acknowledging like, okay, maybe I need to do something about this is like the biggest and hardest step. Um, but yeah, just keep going. Even though if maybe you feel like you've taken 10 steps back, you're still moving forward in your recovery
0: yeah and i think uh, one last thing ca- kind of going off of that is for a lot of people just that small little glimpse of freedom like the first time you experience that freedom or that first time that you like don't purge or you don't mm-hmm. like fall into your eating disorder behaviors that is something you really have to hold on to and stick with and remind yourself of Yes, you start to have those feelings of maybe I should just go back into this. Maybe it's not worth Mm -hmm. it. Like, Remind yourself of that freedom and that feeling you had when you didn't allow your eating disorder voice to then overcome you. So um, I think that's super powerful. And, uh, And one last thing to remind you all of is kind of what Julia was saying, but I saw this quote and it said, healing is difficult, but choosing not to heal is even more difficult. Yes. And staying in that place of hurt and pain is oftentimes just going to be so much harder than choosing to recover. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: and recovery is always, it gets way harder before it ever gets easier. So oh, 100%.
1: I was so resistant yeah. in the beginning and I hated my therapist and my registered dietitians. I thought they were awful people. <laughs> but
0: um, like, This isn't easy. This you're supposed to be yeah. telling me what to do. I've had yeah. I say that they're like, just tell me what yeah. to do. And I'm like, I can't do that's that. That's the
1: absolutely. hard part of recovery is like you it's it's like your own work and you get people there to like support you through it but it's yeah. not just a prescribed to-do list of things to do to recover and that's kind of the difficult part about it but it is very empowering and mm-hmm. um when you kind of begin the work
0: so it's yeah. worth it. I tell people I'm like trust me if I had a magic wand and I could just like wave it Add everyone and heal, that'd be great <laughs> everyone like my life would be easier your life everyone's life would yeah. be much easier but unfortunately that's not the case so um yeah I think just surrounding yourself with these people who are empowering you and supporting you I think is really the best place to be and showing yourself love and figuring out what makes you feel good so Thank you so much, Julia, for your wise words, your knowledge, for sharing with this community, kind of your experience with body image, where you are now, the amazing work you're doing with your curriculum and coaching and all of that. Um, I think sometimes we forget, especially with social media, that there is like, there's a human.
1: (laughs) human Oh my gosh, I know.
0: So anyone listening, don't forget that there are humans behind those accounts who are doing amazing things who aren't just living life to post on social media. Um, And so I always love to bring people onto the podcast who have these followings to give them the opportunity to be like this is also what I do. This is also yes,
1: awesome. yes. We are multi-dimensional humans, not just here posting pictures in cute outfits. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. This was a wonderful conversation, and yeah, I'm excited to tune in.
0: Yeah, so we'll be um, live on Friday. And before we wrap, up Julia, do you mind just sharing um, with the community where they can find you?
1: Yep. Um, my Instagram is fitfatandallthat, and so is my website fitfatandallthat.com.
0: Perfect. I'll put everything in the um, show notes, as well as some information on um, support for eating disorders for anyone who is interested. But thank you so much, Julia, for being here. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.